Well, good morning, church family. Yes, uh, Pastor Luke and I have switched spots, and he will be back next week. And I have the joy of sharing what the Lord has laid on my heart this week. And we've actually been in a discipleship study. I don't know if you know that or not, but uh, what it means to follow Jesus. And uh, we've been going through what a disciple is. And every time I hear, what is a disciple, I break out this raggedy old 22-plus-year-old notebook. And you can see it's pretty gnarly. But it was from a spiritual retreat weekend I was on in 2001. It actually has a date in here. It was March 23rd, 2001. And it was a walk to Emmaus. And there's 15 talks on this weekend. And on talk number 10... They started talking about what is a disciple, and they went down these qualities that make up a disciple, all right? I'm going to read them to you. I saw, maybe you think it's just weird that I still have the notebook, but all right. It says, assurance, growing, priorities, reality, disciplined, empathy, risk, generous, loving, humility, initiative, faith, and hope. And you know what? Right by all of those qualities, you know what? I, I put a check mark for the things I didn't have. And you know what? I had only four out of 12. When it came to risk, yeah, that's me. I'm all in. Some of you laugh. Yeah, we know. The other part of that is I thought, well, maybe I could be loving. And then, so I didn't put a check there. And then I thought, oh, I can, uh, humility, maybe. But if I mark it, isn't that opposite? You know, so I, then I marked it. I'm not humble. Uh, all of that to say this, whenever we start talking about the qualities of a disciple, I realized I had nothing to offer the Lord. I, I was thinking, man, how, what do I have to even bring? I mean, I'm broken. I'm an alcoholic. I'm an addict. I don't even think I make the list of what God is looking for right? And 22 plus years, I realized I was probably closer to understanding it then because I realized I had nothing. As soon as I think that I can add something to God, I'm off. How many of you know that? You know, some of you, you know that about me, don't you? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mike. And so this message, I hope and I'm praying, will encourage you in your walk like, how, what's the structure? What's the process? And the Bible has a principle here in Matthew, or Matthew, in Hebrews that we're going to read. And grab your pew Bible, there's one under there, or your chair Bible, or your seated Bible. We're going to be calling out some page numbers. And I want you to walk through the word with me. And hopefully, uh, hopefully in a way, you'll see that what the Bible says about being perfect and being mature are the same thing. And you know what? I actually called this message being perfect because if I said be mature, you guys wouldn't have listened to me. But those of you who know me know that's true too. So God wants us to be perfect. He's calling us out and there is a process. So let's stand. Let's read Hebrews 5. I'm going to give you a page number. It's 1190. See, I got one of the pew Bibles too. I just decorated mine. Hebrews 11.90 is 
Chapter 5, verse 11 says, About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your truth that washes, penetrates, and Lord, we ask that you speak to each heart. Maximize your message. Minimize the messenger, Lord. Thank you that your word speaks, your spirit is out and working in your people. And Lord, if we have any doubt if we're your people, may today be the day of salvation. We love you. We thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So in this scripture, you're going to find a principle that is calling us out to say, to Christians that whether you're drinking milk or eating the meat or a little further along, uh, there's a principle here that there's a constant practice. This is where the principle, I'm drawing this out of context, this is what I want you to pick up and hold on to because the constant practice does something. It sharpens the powers of our discernment just so that we can distinguish good from evil. And you think, well, duh, I, I, I know what good and evil is. And the reality is, we don't. God has a standard that we don't have. God has a standard of good and evil, and it's not my thoughts, it's not my ways. It's His ways, and His ways and His thoughts are above ours. How many of you know? So we got to get into His Word. we got to find out, how does God want me to live? And then adjust my life to His Word. You know, this can be a huge trap because God wants to do the work in my heart and in my thoughts. And you know what I wear, where I want God to work is on the outside. Men are great. Men and women are great at setting up ceremony and pomp and do this over and over and over. And there's a holiness pattern. And God says, no, hold on. I want to do the work in here. Micah 6, 8, well, and before that, it says in Micah 6, what shall I bring to the Lord to save my soul? Should I bring a thousand gallons of anointing oil to him? Should I bring this much of an offering of oil? And God says, nope. He says, should I bring my firstborn and sacrifice for my soul's atonement? Maybe only on the bad days you should do that. That's funny. Don't kill your kids, guys. Come on. Okay. Here's the reality is we always think, okay, God, what do I do on the outside to come close to you? God, do I get a thousand gallons of oil? Do I give you my firstborn? What do I got to do? And God says, I have told you, O man, what I require of you to do justice, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. 
See, we want everything on the outside, and God is saying, no, I want to do the work on the inside. But this is where I reject it. No, Lord, I don't want you working on my inside. Let's just keep it on the outside. This is where the practice comes in. This is milk, and in fact, I'm going to move this out of the way just so you can see. I've got the bench back up here. Man, that thing. Josh, you're a good stagehand, buddy. So this bench is going to represent our fellowship with the Lord. We just read in Hebrews 5 that the milk is actually something we all need. Something every baby needs, something every Christian needs. As we're growing, we need the milk of the Word. And I can tell you what, the kids, (laughs) they love it. They soak it up. They want to hear about Samson. They want to hear about David. They want to hear about David and Goliath. They want to hear all of the wonderful things in God's Word. And then adults, we got to get the milk too. But you know what? Everyone needs milk, but you know it's not okay to stay there. I mean, can you imagine a 25-year-old infant? Right? Like, I got a backpack of a kid bigger than me that's crying. I mean, you thinking with me, guys? Okay. It's going to be awkward if you don't get this. Eventually, every baby and every child starts to grow. And in fact, they give you the growth charts, right? And don't listen to them because everyone's unique. My kids always had the, your kid is in the 120th percentile of their head. They're way too big. They'll grow into it. Don't worry, everybody. All right. Here's the milk of the word that we all need, that God the Father loves us, loves the world so much he gave his son. Jesus, who died on the cross for each person. That if we believe in him, we shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And he seals that promise of everlasting life by sealing and giving us the Holy Spirit. Now, we all need that. We all love that. We all know the truth. And hopefully, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior right now, Today's the day. Come to him. Trust him with your soul, your life, everything that you are. In fact, in Hebrews, it says that this milk, we all need it, but it goes on to say, we also need meat. We also need to begin to grow up, begin to nourish on deeper things. And is there anything deeper? You know what I realized? The more I study the milk, the more they're deeper and richer and become even meat. What the Trinity is, just to even understand that these three are one and separate, is a whole nother meat. In fact, the, the theology book that you'll read says as soon as you can understand the math of heaven, you can get the Trinity. And here's what I want to tell you. You don't get the math of heaven. You know Why? Because God said he can do more with your 10% than you can with your 100. I don't get that kind of math. God says he can do more with what you give away than what you're trying to keep. I don't get that kind of math. Heaven does. Remember my son asked me, he's like, Dad, how is God and Jesus the same thing? I'm like, well, Lord, help me. 
He's asking about the Trinity. How long have men trying to explain this? And I said, okay, son. God has a fullness of himself. And so let's look at it like pizza, right? It's easy for us to understand. God has a full measure, which is a full pizza. He hands it to Jesus. How much does God still have? And our math, what does it say? Help me, Riley. He's a wizard. Math wizard. Let's be clear. God hands a full measure of himself to Jesus. How much does God still have? Yep. You know what it is? A full measure. That's the math of heaven. God gave Jesus a full measure of his very nature himself. And then he gave a full measure to the Holy Spirit without losing anything. They're three in one. And then he says, through the Holy Spirit, he wants to give his church and his people a full measure. How much does God still retain? Full pizza. If we go back to pizza, you guys got it. I don't get that kind of math. God's word does. And so what he challenges us to do is saying, go on in your spiritual walk with the Holy Spirit inside of you. Go on to meet. Go on to deeper truths of the Bible. You know why? So we can distinguish good from evil. Go with me to, we're going to turn there first. Go with me to 1 John. 1 John on page 1211. You grab your Bible, start flipping through it. 1 John 1211. We're going to 1 John chapter 3, if you have a different Bible. 1 John chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 6 through 9. Oh, we'll go to 10. All right, 1 John chapter 3, verse 6. It says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. There's two forms of practice right here, and that's it. You're either practicing righteousness through the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, or you're practicing sin, and you're, either way, you're showing up to some sort of practice. How many of you know that a practice is exercise? Doctors practice what? Lawyers practice what? Basketball players practice what? What do Christians practice? Oh, you were with me until I got there. Okay. When I fellowship with the Holy Spirit inside of me, 
and I sit down in fellowship with the Lord. I need to practice righteousness. Here's the reality. My brain is not set to do that. My brain and my heart is set on default setting to everything of this world. Everything it has to offer me, everything that my heart desires, every thought, and God has to retrain my brain. Hebrews 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what the perfect will is of the Father. I need training. I'm showing up for the wrong practice. I'm showing up for the practice of the flesh, the practice of carnal. And God says, get into the Word and start showing up to the practice that brings glory to Him. Here's the reality of a thought that I need you to check. Who do you think the Holy Spirit is? Because here's the reality. If I think the Holy Spirit is an inspiration, then the only thing I'm going to look for Him is more power. If I think the Holy Spirit is just to inspire me, I'm only looking for Him to give me power of like a sunset, an inspiration, or like a beautiful view or scenery, and I'm inspired, and that's the wrong view of the Holy Spirit, but that's the trap I can fall into. I just need more of His power. The reality is, if you look at the Holy Spirit as a person, part of the Godhead, He is God. When I have that view of He is God, you know what? I must submit to His authority in my life, in my heart, in my thoughts, and I'm not set for that default. And I plead, Lord, send me Your Holy Spirit. Help me to know how to walk with Him. He says, I've told you, old man, what to do. Love mercy. Do justice. Walk humbly. He's a person and he's part of the Godhead and I must yield, submit, and willfully turn over everything that I am to him. Not just for inspiration or for power. It's to yield a beautiful fruit of righteousness to God. Let's move on. Let's go to more scripture to keep drawing this out. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Oh, this is nice. I'm going to sit here while you turn. Okay. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Here it is. It's training day. It's the practice squad. The A team's coming out. We're ready to practice, right? How do we practice? What do we do? 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 12. That's on page 1182. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. It says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus 
will be persecuted. Welcome to practice. Welcome to the team. Yep. Woo. 13. While evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Here it is, verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness that the man and women of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Welcome to training day. You're going to have persecution. In fact, this is why most people, when they sit down in church, when they sit down with the Lord in fellowship, they get up. I didn't sign up for trial. I didn't sign up for tribulation. I didn't sign up for a hardship. I didn't sign up. And the reality is, you have no idea of the hardship that's coming that's called hell. We have no idea of the hardship that is torture and horrible. And God is saying, come to Him for safety. Come to Him for peace. Come to Him for... Fill it in. Forgiveness. Peace. Come. And you know what? I fall into this trap. I say, okay, Lord, I'm going to come and I'm going to give you all my might, all my strength, all that I have, everything that I am. I'm going to try the hardest to quit this habit, to do this right, to do this, to do this. And I sit down and I fall flat on my face and I'm right back out. You know why? I can't. I cannot produce the fruit to glorify God. Let's call it this. Are they fruits of the Holy Spirit or fruits of Seth Bowker? Do you got me? I cannot add anything to God and say, God, aren't you glad I'm in fellowship with you? I, I just made your existence wonderful. And God's like, eh, you're going to fall. Uh, but I mustered up all the courage, all the willpower, everything that I've got. And God's like, nope. This is where men, we fall into, we want ceremony, we want religion, we want something we do over and over to appease a holy God. And a holy God says, no, sit down and I'm going to wash you. Sit down and I'm going to clean you. Sit down and, and you're going to be washed through the Word. Jesus prayed and said, Lord, sanctify your people, sanctify them and wash them. Your sanctification is the word of God. Are we practicing? Are we showing up for practice? Are we even on the right team? I can't answer it for you. Let's, let's move on to scripture. James, let's go to James chapter 4. Here's where we're going to find us. What can I do? If I can't produce the fruit, and I'm on the team, James chapter 4 gives us a playbook. 
It's 1201 in your pew Bible. James chapter 4, verse 7. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. What can you do? Purify yourself. Humble yourself. Willfully submit. And you know what? We don't like to hear it. I don't like to hear it. Because I want what I want. And he's telling me, how do I even purify myself? Get in the Word. Run to God. I thank the Lord for 1 John 1.9 that if I confess my sins, He is faithful and just to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I get to sit down again with a holy God in fellowship to produce a fruit. Let's go to the Gospel of John 15. Page 1071. John 15. Told you we were going to flip through who loves the word. Oh, I got one child in the back. John 15, verse 5. Here's the sobering thought Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. This is the goal of sitting here to bear fruit. Here's the reality. Apart from him, I can do nothing. Apart from God, I cannot produce love. Apart from God, I cannot produce joy. Apart from God, I cannot have peace. Apart from God, I can't produce anything of the fruits of the Spirit to glorify God. Apart from Jesus, I can do absolutely nothing. Praise the Lord, it says, through him I can do all things. When the Holy Spirit has you yielded, submitted, you get to sit in fellowship with God, and you know what? You get to produce a love for your spouse that is so biblical because you don't even know what it is. It's not selfish. It's agape. And then you get to glorify God. He's like, did you see my child? They just love their spouse with the sacrificial love of Christ. That brought God glory. I don't know how to do that until I get into training camp. Did you see that, kids? You know how to honor your parents? God tells you, and you can produce a fruit towards your parents that honors God. It says if you submit to your parents, you're doing so as honoring God. Spouses, it says if you submit to one another, you're doing it out of reverence for Christ. Submit to each other. Welcome to training camp. There's going to be some trouble. There's going to be tribulation. But you know what you'll have on the inside? Peace. And a joy. 
in a communion with the Lord that you, to run to him and say, Lord, you produce something in me. You know, church, I'm going to be brutally honest. When I saw that the fruit of the Spirit was self-control, I knew I was in trouble 20 plus years ago. You know why? I had none. I had no self-control. The words that came out of my own mouth were, if this drug that I'm addicted to was offered to me for free, I would take it every time. Words out of my own mouth. And God got a hold of my heart, and he sat me down with the Holy Spirit, and here comes the very temptation that the enemy knew I had. And you know what? I prayed, and I said, Lord, I don't have any power over this thing. And he goes, I know. I know you. And I said, please help. And you know what the first words out of my mouth were? No. And I ran away and I was rejoicing. I was like, God produced the fruit in me. I've never had it. God produced something in me through the Holy Spirit. He can use me. He can glorify himself through me. But I got to show up to practice every time. I got to get in the word. I got to be in it. I got to love it so much. It becomes a treasure that I found. Because this is how I glorify a holy God. The fact that he would even let me sit in fellowship after being what I know I am. But you know what? He changes it. Because those who practice righteousness, what did it say? They're righteous just like he is righteous. I never knew God would look at me, a sinner, as holy and righteous. But it's nothing that I've done. It's simply what Jesus has done for me and given to me. And it's for all. The last part, Galatians. Let's head to Galatians. I want the word to speak it. Galatians chapter 5, page 1158 in your pew Bible. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Here we go. I've been talking about it. It's the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ, those who have belonged to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Count the cost. If you're going to sit here in holy fellowship with the Lord, you've got to be crucified to the world. If you're going to sit in fellowship, the cost to produce the fruit is to say, the world has nothing for me. It's all in Christ. It's all in the Lord. And you've crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I don't know where you are in your walk, but if you're in the Spirit, have you given up? Have you picked up all the moxie and said, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it right this time. I'm going to do it with all my might, all my strength, all my heart, all, all, I'm, I've got it. And he says, no, you can't. You've got to let the world be crucified to you 
And the only way to do that is to unite yourself so much with Jesus Christ that you could say it like Paul said. He says, I no longer live. He sat down and let the world be crucified. He said, I no longer live, but the person who lives is Jesus Christ in me. Welcome to practice. The last part of this is there's going to be producing something in you. Philippians 1.6 says it this way, that God, who began a good work in us, will complete it. Who's doing it? What is my part? Submit. Yield. Obey. God, who's begun a good work by putting His Holy Spirit in me, He's going to complete it until the day of redemption of Jesus Christ. God has begun the good work. I need to continue to submit, to just do all I can to sit down, because I can't muster up enough to please a holy God. It's got to be Jesus in me completing the work. Now, you might, a lot of you would say, ooh, are you preaching in a way that I don't have to do anything? Just sit back. No. Submit to his lordship. Obey. Yield yourself. Humbly walk with him. And then here's the thing. When we're doing that, we have a confidence. When I'm walking with God, there's a confidence. It doesn't matter what comes our way. We're going to make it. If I fall into sin, I lose my confidence. I'm no longer in fellowship. But he's faithful if I confess. The second thing is when we're in fellowship, we have to have honesty with each other. Because you know what, my brothers and sisters, you're going to see gaps in me. You're going to see like, whoa, you really messed up. Last week you were talking about sneaking candy in the movies. I know. God's done a work in me. And it's true. You're going to see gaps. We're going to see errors. And you know what we do? We love each other. We approach each other. We talk about it. We open God's word and we say, hey, here's a gap. Let's fill it with the love and the Holy Spirit of the Lord. Let's strive together. And the third thing is there's going to be a joyful obedience when you sit there. And most of you will say, no, every time I sat down, it wasn't joyful. It felt like restriction. It felt like prison. It felt like I couldn't have a freedom. And you know what? That's the enemy trying to get to your mind that there's something better. And there is nothing better than to sit here in fellowship with the Lord. And this joyful obedience, Genesis 20, talks about Jacob working for seven years for his wife. Okay? Seven years. And you know what it says? I know he did end up working 14, but the first time he worked, he said those seven years felt like three days. There was a joyful obedience in sitting here that your life is going to be but a vapor, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be joyful. You know why? Because you're working and producing fruit that brings glory to God, and you're going to get before him, and he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You're going to say, Yes, there was tribulation, but you were with me the whole time. Yes, there was struggle, but you were there. 
that joyful obedience. So the last scripture I have for you is Matthew eleven, twenty-eight and 29. Jesus calls out and he says, Come unto me, all who are labored and heavy laden. That's Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. I don't have the number. It's not marked. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come unto me, all of you who are heavy laden and burdened and weighed down by the cares of this world. And what's he going to give you? The work's over. He did it. Rest in it. But he doesn't stop. He says, take up my what? Yolk. In junior high, you know what? When we talked about yolk, they only thought of the egg. And it is two oxen matched up. Take up my yoke upon you. I am lowly and meek. Learn from me and humbled. That's what he says his yoke is. It's easy. His burden is light. It's easy. But wait a second. Doesn't his word say not to be unequally yoked? Okay, let's try that again. Does his word say not to be unequally yoked? Am I unequally yoked with Jesus? Okay, Seth Bowker and Jesus. Don't put me on the same level, folks. Seth Bowker is supposed to yoke up with Jesus? Isn't Jesus now unequally yoked? Some of you think way highly of me than you ought to. Here's the reality. I'm equally yoked. Not because of Seth Bowker. Because the Holy Spirit inside of me. And Jesus says, come and get rest and sit and yoke up. And he starts to pull the weight in me that I can't. He's not unequally yoked because he's with me. He's in me. He says, let's go, church. Let's go. We're not unequally yoked. Love them. Tell them about the gospel. The only way out is Jesus. The only fellowship is Jesus Christ. Yoke up. Get into practice. Even if you fail, get back up. Go love them. Go make a mess of them. But tell them that there's one way. Tell them there's the only way. You are equally yoked. Christ in you. The hope of glory is right here. Are you showing up to practice? Sit back down in fellowship. It's sweet. And I have failed so many times and ran so many times. How long will God strive with us? I pray, Lord, it's a thousand more years. Don't give up. Your spirit is here. Your spirit is willing. Let's go. Show up to practice, family. Be on his team. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you have made this possible. It's your blood atonement, it's your sacrifice. It's your spirit, it's your fruit, and it's all for your glory. And Lord, I pray and I thank you that you use broken vessels. Vessels that this world counts as worthless. But you put your divine spirit in them and call them your children. And it's us. Co-heirs with Christ. And not because of any righteous works we've done. But it's all because of your great mercy. 
Lord, help us to run to you. Help us to come to you for the first time, for the millionth time. Let us run to your arms where we find peace, rest, forgiveness, and a washing. Renew us to righteousness as your people. We love you. We thank you for piercing our hearts and calling us out from right where we are. Wash us, Lord. Let us get in the game. Let us be in practice. Let us be moving on to maturity that is constantly practicing your ways, your truth, and living it out, Lord. We love you. We thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing, the altar is open. Whether it's the first time or the thousandth time, thousandth, I can't say it, the millionth, run to them. And if you need extra prayer, we're down here to pray for you. Let's sing.